Clyde Wilson doesn't see himself as a hero. Though the silver star he was awarded for gallantry in action in Vietnam might suggest otherwise. Clyde was not keen on going to Vietnam, but there came a draft notice. Once in the Army, his superiors recognized a young man with tools to lead. Clyde became an officer, though he doubtless never imagined that he would one day be crawling through rice paddies, leading his man on a dangerous, life-saving rescue mission. And he certainly never imagined how his tour in Vietnam would begin in the summer of 68. The young second lieutenant is aboard an aircraft filled with fellow soldiers about to land in Vietnam when the pilot says, prepare for a crash landing. The airbase is under attack. You spend time training and preparing for war, and you may think somehow that you're going to ease into it, but you hit the ground running. Yes. On your way to Vietnam, you're in a plane load of soldiers, and what happens when you get into Vietnam airspace? Well, we got into uh, we were we were alerted by the captain uh, while we were over. I'm assuming South China Sea. They had received communication that uh, Tonsonut Air Base was under attack, and that uh, we were going to uh, circle more or less over the sea uh, until a certain time that it was safe to go in. <laughs> the thrill of it, or the, <laughs> was the fact that he, the pilot, would come on periodically and tell you. Uh, you know, we have so many, so many hours of fuel, how much fuel we had left. That was a big factor into uh, when the uh, plane would be able to, able to, you know, approach the uh, airfield. Plus, another, the other thing about it also is the fact that uh, it was a, also a maneuver to burn off as much fuel as possible with leaving enough for the plane to come in in case there was, a, you know, <laughs> one of those suicide uh, almost uh, landing type situation so this is reassuring you can run out of fuel or you can get shot at as you're landing and uh take, take take your pick <laughs> yeah so what does the pilot tell everybody on board we're under attack uh yeah i mean it was the uh the words of the pilot was that uh, you know the air base was under attack uh in fact it was uh ground as well as uh, a rocket attack that was coming in and some parts of the some parts of the airfield which was the object and of the uh Viet Cong, uh was to disrupt uh to blow you know take out the ability for planes to land that was one of the things that they would do they were they were constantly i was going to say periodically but they were constantly attacking the uh, airfield welcome to, to vietnam uh, yeah welcome to vietnam so what is clyde wilson thinking and what are your Fellow soldiers thinking as you're trying to make this approach to Tonsonut? Well, those that believe in God, they were, they were calling on him. And those that didn't, uh, they were basically trying to know what, uh, what, uh, who God was. And that some of them were actually cursing, <laughs> uh, cursing the fact that they found themselves in the situation that they're in. So it was a, it was a mixed bag. <laughs> did, did, did you say to yourself, we knew we were going to see conflict, but we didn't know we were going to see it quite this fast. Yeah, we expected we expected some type of orientation period <laughs> as to what to look for. Of course, training prior to uh, uh, being uh, sent uh, was all in was all done with the understanding, with the knowledge that you know 
this is what you're going to need once you get into combat. So all of those things, those things were going through your mind. But we were, we were minus one thing. That was a weapon. We didn't have a, <laughs> we didn't have a weapon. Yeah, you're pretty helpless. So yeah. you landed successfully, and then what happened? We were immediately rushed off of the plane. Uh, in fact, we were told, you know, the procedures that was going to take place. In fact, if you had any anything uh, that you, you know, carry on baggage or something like that. You were you were told to leave it leave it in place. Your exit in the plane was the most important thing. We didn't have a problem. Like, we didn't have a problem with people crowding or anything like that. Everybody was up, and they were ready to hit the door. <laughs> so were you actually running off the aircraft as best you could? Yes, 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 yes. And where they it direct a, where they direct you? Do you have a bunker? That was an officer came on board uh, the plane. And gave instructions as to what was going to happen once we hit, you know, once we hit the uh, ground. There was also a couple of officers, as I recall, there were officers on the plane who had been in Vietnam and who were returning to Vietnam. So they had, so they had, you know, they had on ground knowledge of uh, the situation, you know, and they were aiding and assisting the uh, before we even got on on the ground. There's some things that we needed to do, uh, you know, couching. Uh, in the, in your seat and what have you, because we didn't know, it, we knew that it was going to be a rough landing. So we had to be prepared in case uh, the plane hit a crater or something like that, or worst case scenario, uh, the plane was, a, you know, actually physically hit by a rocket or a gunfire or something like that. So when your feet are on the ground, finally, did your did feet you, on the ground, yeah, you, you did. run like you run like hell and follow the direction instruction that you had been given. And uh, there were uh, MPs, I believe, yeah, there were MPs on the ground directing us to the bunkers. There were bunkers alongside the uh, the airstrip, as well as near the near the hangars themselves. There were there were bunkers. It was our mission is to get to that bunk as fast as you possibly can, you know, and that's basically what it was. You know, it was a mad, a mad rush of, of our ants that were, <laughs> that was covered in the field. I mean, going toward those particular bunkers, that's what happened. So it's kind of a natural thing that you're at, in that situation. You're going to be sweating, but when you exit the plane, you exit kind of into a blast furnace, right? The temperature is way up there. Yeah, they told I think it was what a, it was well. I, I forgot maybe 120, 100, and because it wasn't, it was not unusual to have temperatures of ground temperatures of 100, and it was even even higher because we were on this tarmac. So it could very well have been upwards of 150 degrees. Seriously speaking, uh, because of the heat on the tarmac, uh, as well as uh, the plane, there was a certain amount of heat uh, emanating from that from the uh, jet engines and. Uh, it was just a hot hell-like situation. It <laughs> made it even worse. It was the fact that uh, the airbase was under attack. So you're sitting in the bunker, and you've just escaped. You've landed safely, but you're sweating up a storm. What did you say to each other as you're waiting for the shelling to stop and to get your assignment? Damn. Damn? When will it, st- <laughs> when will it stop? Yes. <laughs> because it was, the heat was suffocating. It was... Uh, uh, body heat as well as the physical heat, you know. So it was, it was, it was a trying time. Like every every guy in there was wet. I mean, seriously wet. The uniform was wet. 
Yeah, man, I can I can almost I can almost uh, remember the smell. <laughs> Probably not a pleasant thing. And, no, it wasn't. And, no, it was did, not. Did it you talk? To, did you talk to each other? Did you just kind of sit and and say to yourself, "Well, I guess we're in it now." Uh, yeah, that was a lot of chatter. Uh, there was a lot of prayers also. There was, you know, the guys were who who were they were praying as well as myself. I was praying. Then there were guys who I was. I recall a couple, three, maybe more than that, was hysterical. Oh boy, laughing and mixture of cries and, and that kind of stuff, you know. We were there. We were there several hours, as I recall. And every every minute we were there, it was uh, you didn't you didn't know what, because the rocket was still the rocket the incoming uh, fire was still you know still going on. We we're thankful that obviously that none of the you know none of it hit where we were. But uh, when we came out out of the uh, bunkers and everything we saw the damage on the tarmac where uh where the uh, craters were where the exploded um, bombs had happened it was quite it was just it was just a it was an ordeal in itself you know When things finally settle down and you're assigned, you're with the 196 Light Infantry Brigade, and mm-hmm. you're a you're a second lieutenant then. Yes. Okay, so you're commanding a platoon. What was your job with the 196? I was a small unit commander. You know, I had a platoon. I was I knew that I was assigned to the Marikal Division. I just didn't know, you know, what unit. They that I would be assigned to. We were fresh bodies, so uh, the command, you know, took guys uh, as needed, you know, randomly. Well, just randomly went down the list and, and said, you know, you go in here and you go in here, you go in there, you go in there. And that, that's the way it was. So you are you were to provide security along Highway 1, which is the big supply route between Saigon and Da Nang. What did that involve? What, what were your... We were working with we were working with the engineers. We were actually given uh, we were given uh, uh, the task of providing security for them while they were, you know, looking for mines that were that the uh, Vietnamese would set in the roadway yes. uh, periodically beside the road. Uh, also to uh, to check uh, for ambush sites. Well, the the engineers are, are are trying to remove mines that the Viet Cong, I presume, are constantly planting along Highway One, and so you're you're with them. Did you ever come under fire in those circumstances when you're providing the security? Uh, yes, we came under sniper fire. Uh, in fact, there were uh, I never lost. I didn't lose uh, any of my men. Please uh, God. Uh, to to uh, ambush or sniper fire, but there were some there were uh, occasions that we were out there that some of the engineers got wounded, uh, killed as well. There were we were sweeping the area before the guys who were working on discovering mines and what have you. We were probably thirty minutes away from them. My unit was, but there were also uh, other units that were right there beside them. And so we were another layer of uh, armed uh, troops that were providing security for them as they walked along. But as I said, my unit, for the most part, 
uh, was the one who was about 30 minutes ahead of them. So as to, you know, to recon the area before and, and then uh, the other units uh, behind me, it came along doing the same thing. So it was a cadre of troops was out, troops out there on both sides of the roadway, you know, going into the uh, going into the uh, woods and what have you to uh, bramble bushes and what have you. A lot of a lot of instances, uh, the the foliage agent orange had been sprayed along, so they were barren. Trees and things were barren beside the roadway. So there were few places that they could hide. Because uh, the thing that really was a tr- was uh, troubling was a, there were hill. There was a hilly section. July was a hilly sec- hilly piece of land, part of land. There were there were vantage points that that the uh, snipers could. You know, because man, those were those were areas that uh, not only the helicopters uh, were br- uh, buzzing over uh, as we were out there, because we did have air power. Do you do you have a do you have a vivid recollection of the first time you came under sniper fire? Yes, that was the time that I got the scar on my stomach. <laughs> we we had uh, we were as I said before, we were about thirty minutes ahead of the of the guys sometime and it was this particular time that we had actually gotten a little bit too far from the other unit that was behind me behind us that afforded the uh enemy an opportunity to come between my unit and the unit that was behind me there was a sniper fire that came in the enemy was close enough to throw hand grenades and rpgs that was some uh, some rocket you know, we hit the ground when the when the uh, incoming happened, and uh, fortunately, uh, there were we had a location that did have did have trees with no with uh, no foliage on them, and but it was uh, the land was uh, the land was rocky. There were a lot of rocks, uh, and as we uh, crawled along the ground, finding the area where we believed that the uh, uh, perpetrators were. There were instances where you would actually see them running. The command was given to, you know, basically return fire with everything we had. We had rocket grenades. Uh, did did you hit the ground pretty hard then? You, were you injured? I hit the ground. Yeah, I hit the ground pretty hard, and uh, it was uh, hard enough that in some one of the uh, rocks were kind of sharp, and that's what gave me a slight scar on my stomach. And it was not a large one, and it bled for a little while, you know. Any of your men get hit? No, they did not during the time that we were actually providing security for the uh, uh, the combat engineer. Uh, we we didn't lose a we did not lose a, a man. As a lieutenant, you're you're thinking about your own skin, but you're also responsible for the men under your command. And when you're in a firefight like that, I imagine your mind is is all over the place. Where are my guys? Are they safe? Yeah. So yeah, you're 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 multitasking. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you're trying to take yourself out of the line of fire, but at the same time, you're making sure that your men are placed safely, or that they have gone into a defensive mode. Once you make yourselves in a safe position, that you can look over, look around, and see where your men are if they're in position. So yeah, it, it's quite a uh, quite a responsibility. Well, you rotated back eventually to Chulai, and you're an executive officer back on base. So 
you're you're out of uh, you're out of the field for a while, but then yes. com- then comes a day when, as the XO, you have a responsibility for getting script or money to the troops. So you have to get into a helicopter and fly to a landing zone and make sure that you're you're paying you're paying the men who are fighting in the field, right? You're delivering yes. a, a form of that a paycheck. <laughs> that is correct. So what happened on that day when you fly into the LZ? We knew before we left, we knew that our unit had suffered uh, some casualties even before I left the base. We were in contact, radio contact with, with the company commander. And prior to my getting there, the con- company commander had suffered a disabling wound. The order is that uh, the helicopter picked them up, so I had to stay there and assume assume the uh, position of commander of those troops that, that were there but without uh, commander okay. CO. And these are guys these are these are your guys. These are guys you know from These are guys that I know. Okay. The officers and men. These are these are guys that I know. But in this one occasion you're under heavy fire and you called in an airstrike. And you did that yeah. to to uh, allow your guys to get to safer ground, I presume. It was my responsibility to call in artillery uh, because the the enemy was uh, the enemy had, as I said, before, had breached left quadrant of our of our uh, perimeter. We had to call in close in uh, artillery fire as we were engaged in ground combat, and uh, we were able to repel them. A couple of men, a couple of your men, were wounded, and they made it back to your unit. As I understand, yeah, uh, several of as I recall, several of them were wounded, but they also uh, there was uh, during the during the height of the battle. What had happened was that they had moved away from the LZ. I mean, from the hill out into the rice paddies. There was there were guys who were cut off that were unable to come back across the rice paddy, and those are the guys that I formed uh, a squad of men. And to uh, go across the rice paddies, actually crawling in the water and what have you, went over to this landmass, and uh, there were a number, I mean, were two, three guys that, that we had to physically bring back, as well as uh, those that were able to, those who were able to fire, I mean, able or not injured or something like that, gave them ammunition because they had basically exhausted all the ammunition and the thing that was saving them was the fact that we were continually to return we were turning fire in that general area to keep the uh, keep the uh, Viet, uh, Viet Cong from advancing on that particular position where those separated troops were and as we were going across the rice paddy it was uh, we had to stay low because we had we were calling in fire uh, across that paddy in the direction that we were going to keep the uh, enemy at bay the uh, fire had ceased uh, when we got to the, when we got to the troops, but then when we were coming back, uh, there were a, there was a couple of rocket, as I recall, there were a couple of rocket handheld rocket launchers. We came under fire from that, but fortunately, it did not uh, hit any of our troops as we were coming back across the rice paddy with the with the wounded uh, soldiers. How many wounded soldiers did you bring back? Or half a dozen. And we they also were, brought back. They we were, also brought. We also brought back some bodies. So you're, yeah. you've got 
dead soldiers yeah. that you're bringing yeah. back, and you're bringing them back crawling through the rice paddies, I'm presuming, True. because you, you don't have any cover. Right. And the guys who are alive, wounded, whatever, they have no ammo, and uh, they're they're sitting ducks. They were sitting ducks. We uh, we had radio contact when we took we took some ammo with us, you know, uh, as much as we had. There was never any doubt that you were going to go back and get those guys. Some of the men was asking, uh, was telling me who was over there and what have you, and that we got to go get them. I told them that uh, those that those that want to go. We need we need uh we need at least uh twelve or thirteen guys and I, as I recall I think we had more than that. I know you weren't you weren't aiming for any accolades or or praise for no, the decision you made that day. But no, 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 even thought it was the fact that my men, uh, uh, friends or comrades that were separated, you just don't you don't you do everything possible to bring your guys uh, back to safety. That was an ingrained mission nonetheless for the decision that you had to make in the interest of the safety of your men you're awarded the silver star for gallantry in action did did yes. you did and that didn't happen actually the awarding of the star didn't come until after you I got back stateside yes. i was in fort riley fort riley kansas and they had the ceremony what were what was your reaction to that i was i was really shocked it was a bittersweet moment uh, because uh, I was brought to realize that there were guys who didn't come back. But then me getting a, uh, an award for, for doing something that was, was basic, I, you know, I, I, at some point, I mean, didn't feel that, you know, I was deserving. I would have given anything to, to have had those guys back in lieu of taking, getting an award or anything like that for it. Yeah, it's kind of a contradiction. You're awarded for doing what you would have done anyway. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You're not seeking accolades for it, and and the, you had guys who died, but yeah. probably more who would have died had you not taken the action that you did. They most certainly would have. I, in my in my opinion, uh, in the opinion of those that were out there, and those that that read the report that my company commander had written up. Uh, they would have, uh, they would have succumbed, and they would have been killed. memory of it over the years fortunately is no longer you know no longer there because it had a chilling effect the war itself had a chilling effect I was presuming on everybody that was there you know some of the hardest times right now uh, for me is uh, Veterans Day and Memorial Day uh, because uh, even, <laughs> even after all these years you still remember uh, some things that happened and of course uh, they are not pleasant memories for me uh, and a lot of other guys. Same thing, not pleasant memories. You were 
officer training at Fort Leonard Wood, and you were assigned to work with what was called McNamara's 100,000. Who were they? Who were they? They were called misfits, the McNamara 100,000. So some label them as misfits. Uh, some of them say they were fighter for war and stuff like that because of their low I, uh, IQ, uh, because of the fact that some of them had committed felonies. They were at uh, Fort Leonardwood as the second phase of their training as, as combat infantrymen. So we were teaching we were teaching those tactics that uh, say the you know use of weaponry, field training, and, and, and how to perform first aid. You know, some of the basic things that that a soldier needs uh, to to survive, and that's what we were doing with them there at Fort Leonard Wood, getting them and uh, basically to learn how to follow orders, uh, which was a which was a task in, in I, and of itself. I imagine that was a challenge, right? It was. It was. Yeah. It was definitely a challenge. Uh, some of the guys really couldn't tie their own shoes. Really? Yeah. They did, not, they did not know how to lace their boots. And they're going off to war? They went off to war. They did. And we did everything We did everything conceivably possible to uh, give them the basics, you know, to instill in them the basics. I know there were many, many instances where Fellows who had gone astray, um, committed felonies, or you know significant misdemeanors would go to court, and the judge would say, "Well, you've got a choice here. You can go, you can go right. to jail, or you can see that guy in the back of the courtroom who is a recruiter, and you can sign up and serve your country in the military." Oh, well, I imagine a lot of the hundred thousand were fellows like that. Exactly. That's exactly correct. Actually, there were some who actually volunteered and they were accepted. Some people uh, got their sons out of their out of their uh, hair, so to speak, and uh, brought them to the recruitment station, and they were accepted. The uh, criteria had been drastically low, lowered uh, just to you know to accommodate. I mean, to get them in, to get them into into service because body bodies were needed in Vietnam. Yeah, basically handled with kid gloves. In terms of how to acclimate them, you know, you know get them trained and everything, and uh, you had twelve weeks to do that. A number, a number of these guys went AWOL. Well, I I would imagine though that, and I don't mean to discredit a large group of soldiers, there were some of them I'm presuming who were were who fought very bravely when they found themselves in Vietnam. Uh, but but as a group but as a group they were they were really not qualified to go they were they were <laughs> a lot of them were going to go to jail that is true yeah and believe it or not there were there were a number of them I and mean, i'm sure that uh that there, that there's documentation to it that actually uh uh did meritorious things while they were in vietnam of course on paper, they were on paper they were misfits, but once they were trained, uh, they were just <laughs> they excelled, exceeded everybody's you know expectations. Back in '82, the Vietnam 
Veterans Memorial was being dedicated. And yes. you you decided to go. Yeah. Was that a, a calling for you? Yes. Uh, it was, it, again, it was one of those I wanted to and I didn't want to type situation. But I felt I owed it to uh, my comrades. And then, too, I wanted to be there. But, you know, as I said before, I didn't want to be there. And it rained that day. It rained that day. You know, grass was just recently, had been recently sodded. And I had worn uh, some, a pair of loafers. That area was uh, like <laughs> was like walking through like walking through a swamp, so to speak, or a, or a rice paddy. Yeah, a rice paddy. Yeah, walk on some of the soil, and it just went down, and water just came out so into into our shoes and everything. And it reminded me so much of Vietnam. <laughs> well, I guess that's that's fitting in a way. It was fitting. It actually was. And I told, I told, that was my story when I was telling guys about, you know, I had gone and, and I said, it really came, it really came home. It really, it really came home full circle, you know, uh, standing there and, and looking for names of uh, comrades that I knew had fallen. And uh, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it, it was sort of like a homecoming, so to speak. After that, I was actually, uh, in a mild state of depression there after after having gone especially especially when i found the uh, the names of the guys who i knew who were comrades you know that uh, stayed on my mind for a number that stayed on my mind for a number a number of months afterwards you know because it, it was a situation like you know uh it was them but why not me i came through and they didn't what was it about me that brought me through and did you know did bring them through? So, the haunting questions, yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. Well, fast forward now to July 2019. You go on your Honor Flight Chicago mission, which is a different wow. circumstance, and that was a different day. The sun was shining, and yeah. Tell me and about your experience that day. That was, you know, and you said about the healing. I think that I, I, I think after all those years that I could really uh, look back and say, you know, that uh, it is, uh, it's finished. I feel good, and I was uplifted. Man, it was. Uh, I'm telling you, it was a, it was a glorious. To me, it was a glorious time. Uh, I had known about uh, on a flight, and of course when. I first heard about it. They were they were taking World War II guys, you know, and I so much wished that my father had been alive so that he could have, so that he could have taken in, you know, in this particular uh, ceremony and everything. When I was there and everything, you know, I think I was kind of like in in part I was uh, experiencing it for him, so to speak, you know. Yes. And uh, so it was uh, it was an experience, quite an experience. Yeah. Would Would you say? And I know uh, when you came home, it was. That was uh, pretty rewarding to hear all the people cheering in the in the <laughs> terminal at Midway. Man, huh? Yeah, I was surprised. I, I actually I was surprised because I didn't I didn't expect to see my wife there. I didn't expect to see uh, my neighbors there. I didn't expect I didn't expect uh, to see my uh, daughter and my son there and my grandson. I really, you know, and uh, they were there. It was one of those I Morris moments. I just wish I had. I, you know what? I wish uh, my daughter. She's always. Uh, I, I, I uh, followed her for. Her. She's always taking photos, taking pictures, or taking uh, 
videos. And uh, she didn't do anything. She said, I was too excited. <laughs> <laughs> she missed her assignment. <laughs> oh. I missed your calling. <laughs> you well, could have went down. You could have went down in history. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you could describe that day, what what sort of impact did it have on your life when you put it in the overall picture of Clyde Wilson's life? Well, I felt I felt really I felt uh, I felt accomplished. I in terms of uh, I did something uh, that uh, you know served the country, and uh, and then people recognizing you for it. You know, even though as I told you earlier, I had not experienced any of the hostilities that were heaped up on some of some of my comrades. Uh, I felt that I felt I felt really accomplished. Uh, and I felt in some some respect, I really felt a little bit embarrassed for it because I didn't think that I didn't think and that I needed to have been held. Uh, you know, it was something like a almost like akin to a hero's welcome or hero's uh, things that are put set aside for people who have done outstanding exemplary things. And I really didn't and don't and didn't consider the things I did as being something noteworthy in terms of like being on a parade, you know, I'm going down the middle of Main Street and people are cheering and, and dancing and, and, you know, just genuinely are admiring you for something that, you know, that everybody else did, you know, more or less, you know, in the same circumstances, you know. I thought about that day often, thought about wishing the desire to go back. <laughs> When you're going through the line and and uh, and there's your family there and you're hearing all this cheering and you give get a hug from your wife, that that had to be a great moment oh, she for didn't you. Hug, she didn't hug me. She just smirked. Oh, <laughs> that happens after 52 years of marriage, huh? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, she puts you in your right place, Clyde. Exactly. You know, come down off that high horse. Yeah, you know? buddy. You better get down to earth here, man. Yeah. yeah. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be receiving that kind of elder, right? Yeah. Don't let it go to your head because it ain't coming yeah, to the home right. front. Yeah, right. She's she's looking at me now, giving me that look. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well yeah. anyway, welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you, guy. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad it was a rewarding experience for you. Yes, it was. It was one that I one that I take with me. I'm sure of that. Thank you for listening to this Honor Thank Inspire episode. We would invite you to share it if you're willing, and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The impact Honor Flight Chicago has on the lives of our veterans and their families is made possible by the help of our donors. To support our mission, to find our veteran application, to volunteer, or simply for more information, please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.